nice to be over here again to see you guys. Um, I'm Natalie, and um, I've just been kind of come over. You were going to have Joe move to, but you've got me instead. Unfortunately, she's not well. Um, you'll know, I'm sure, that every year we have people who do a gap year with us. Um, it's called Impact, so they're called our impactors. And they give up a year, basically, to serve the church. They join our staff team. They get involved in a number of different ways. Um, they do some stuff that you'd see, like some of them lead worship or do kids' work, things like that. But a lot of what they do actually happens behind the scenes. They work incredibly hard for the year. Um, and so the year runs like the school year, so it's just finished for two of them, as Jess and Kelly, and it's just started for Amy. So can I want them all to come down, and we're going to interview them a little bit. So can we give them a warm welcome as they come? So Jess and Kelly, <laughs> Jess, who's <laughs> put, put that down there, Jess. <laughs> Multi-venue um, issues there. Um, this is Jess and Kelly, who um, spent the last year basically working for the church. And this is Amy, who's going to be doing that this year. So I'm just going to ask them one question each. So Jess, why don't you tell us what's been a highlight from this year for you? Well, there has been many, so that's always good. <laughs> um, so my one highlight is probably being with God and having the time to spend with him and actually spend with you guys as well. I love spending time with you and leading worship here and um, being with family. So, yeah, thank you. That's, <laughs> that's brilliant. And Kelly, you did the New Ground Academy as part of your year with the church. Why don't you tell us a bit about kind of what you uh, got out of that and what God has done in you and through you this last year? Um, I think what... God's actually done through me is made me start to look at people through his eyes rather than my own eyes. And um, I was saying earlier how much of a struggle that really has been and how many paddies I've had <laughs> because of that. Um, Academy, I think the thing that I most enjoyed was um, learning about the history of the church, the different denominations, and basically the foundations of where our church comes from. That was what I got out of Academy this year. That's brilliant. Thanks, Kelly. And we do actually have these gifts for them. So that one's for Kelly. We said in Hastings it's a little bit... I can't even pick this one up. It's so heavy. Um, obviously, we're not actually letting them open them until we give them to them at 6 o'clock church tonight. But, um, but stay there a second... Um, so, Amy, you're just starting with us. You've just started a couple of weeks ago. Why don't you tell us what are you most looking forward to from this year? Um, I'm most looking forward to when I go away for training and just um, really digging deeper into God, into the scriptures. And I've just really loved it so far, and I'm really looking forward to digging deep into him and then really getting to know everyone here and everyone in the different venues. Brilliant. Thanks, Amy. So, um, Jess is now studying photography. Kelly's now studying social work. They're both staying with us at King's for... Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Um, Amy obviously can't go anywhere because we've now got her for a year. Do you mind just... Can we just pray for these guys quickly? Why don't you stand to your feet, stretch out your hands to them if you feel comfortable to, and just pray your best prayers for God's great blessing on the three of them this year.
Yeah, Father, we thank you so much for these three lovely women. And God, we just pray you'd bless them in this next year. We pray you'd keep them close to you. We pray that um, they would um, grow this year, all three of them, that they would grow phenomenally this year. And we pray that you would continue the work that you've started in them. Thank you that you are the author and perfecter. You're the finisher of our faith. And so we pray, would you continue doing a great work in these three this year? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you want to take your seats? Um, It's a great privilege that I have as well to just kind of fly in here this morning and introduce Jeremy, who's speaking. It's great to have Jeremy and Anne with us. Many of you will know them. They're dear friends to this church. Um, This is their home church, actually. I won't steal Jeremy's thunder by saying too much about that. But this is where they um, started out in their leadership. And it's great to have them. Jeremy's a and Anna, dear friends of mine personally as well. And every time Jeremy comes and speaks to us as a church, it hasn't happened yet in Bexhill Venue, so get excited this morning. Because every time he comes, it seems to be a word that God just wants to use to propel us into all that he's got for us. All that God's got for us, not all Jeremy's got for us, just to be clear. But so it's great to have Jeremy. I know last time he spoke over at Hastings Venue a couple of years ago, God did some powerful work in my own life, and that would have been true for many of us. So why don't we give him a really, really warm welcome as he comes up to speak. Oh, sorry, Um, youth going out as well. So if you're in the youth, please go out now. Well, it is so, so brilliant to be here. And uh, this is the first time that we've done this kind of uh, flying from one site to the other. And it's so thrilling. It's just brilliant to see Bex Hill. And uh, I'm... I'm actually old enough to uh, remember David and Mooring, and, uh, well, I was old enough to remember them, but they're still here, <laughs> but my uncle and auntie, and uh, they were pioneers of this, uh, this concept of uh, seeing an expression of kings planted into Bexhill, and I can remember when we were first married, so Anne and I got married in 1983, uh, so who else got married in 1983? You guys, oh, you guys got married in 1983 as well. Of course you did. Yeah, it's just before us, of course. And uh, I can remember you planting uh, and pioneering into Bexhill. In fact, I can remember prophesying. And it's one of those prophecies that, you know, you say, oh, I've got that wrong. Because <laughs> at the time, it felt like, because they then closed down. But I, I remember prophesying that although it was the smallest, just like the mustard seed, although it was the smallest, it would grow to be one of the biggest trees in the garden. And when it closed down, I remember that because I, I, ri- I, I stupidly wrote it in my Bible. So I've got a Bible at home with that actually written in it and dated. And uh, I felt it's still true. I felt God remind me of it today. That actually this little seed, and it's a much bigger seed than it was 20, 30 years ago, is going to grow to become one of the biggest trees in this garden, in the garden of Bexhill. That God's going to raise you up and take your place and in that. Now... It's 40 years ago that a 16-year-old boy, uh, you can work it out, uh, walked into what was then called Hastings Christian Fellowship, and uh, we started our journey uh, to Anne and I to meet, to meet and get married. But we started our journey of God using us and God propelling us into something. And I was just sharing this morning. I, w- I was just—I wasn't meaning to share it, wasn't going to share it, but I was kind of overwhelmed, really, by what God has done. And uh, it's been such a joy this summer to work with Sam and Claire and with Nat. Is this, you're here, you're still here. You can go anytime you like. But <laughs> I don't know whether we've got the photo here. We had the photo. So there it is. Look at this photo. This is us on mission together. 
so some of you will recognize, um, obviously that's Anne and I in our outfits. Lee Yarbrough is one of the New Frontiers Apostles working with us. This is Nat Natalie with a big target on her, her chest. And there's a story behind that I'll tell you in a moment. Oh, sorry, on her tummy, on her tummy, sorry. Uh, there's there's uh, Sam and Claire and Michelle and Harley. And th this, uh, this isn't actually... Um, Claire's other, you know, relationship. <laughs> it's just that they happen to dress us in the same material. That's Tony, who's one of the administrators that we're working with. But it's so funny. I'll tell you a funny story. I shouldn't really take up time, but I will, because Natalie's still here. I wouldn't, if you had gone, I wouldn't have said it. But as you're here, I'm going to say it again. So we joked about the target on her tummy, because that's like the, how they dressed us, and you've got to kind of go culturally with it. And uh, um, Michelle was rather naughty. Michelle, when, when Natalie preached, and Natalie preached amazingly, really, really well, didn't she, on the mercy of God. And to be fair, originally they'd asked Sam, and Sam said, no, I'm on holiday, let Natalie do it. <laughs> I think that was gracious, no. Sam said, no, I really feel Natalie's got a word on mercy for Africa. And it was just so good to hear Natalie speak in that context in Africa on mercy and grace. And well, they introduced her, these two young men introduced her. And I, I, I'm sitting there where Laurie's sitting, Natalie's here. And these guys are introducing Natalie and Michelle and saying, we've got two beautiful young ladies here who would like husbands. And I'm going, oh no, this is so... And I'm, I'm mouthing at Natalie, did you say that? She goes, no, Michelle did. <laughs> so anyway, Natalie's going to be the guest speaker at our big event. We have, like you have your Ashburnham event, we have our big event uh, every year uh, at the Staffordshire Showground. And uh, this year, this next year, 2020, 2020 Natalie is going to be our guest speaker at that big event in front of a couple of thousand people. And Natalie said to me, you don't realize, and I, you know, I didn't even think of this, she don't, she don't realize, I thought she was going to say, you don't realize what this has done for women, you know, women speakers and all that. She said, no, you don't realize what this has done for single people. She said, do you realize you've got two, out of four people, you've got two single speakers? On the, I, I didn't know, I didn't realize, because the other one is Mike Pilavarchi, he's our other guest speaker. So then one of our guys naughtily suggested that we could have the first devoted wedding. Then Natalie and uh, Mike, but, that, but apparently, so I've tried, Natalie, I've tried Devoted, but you can go now, so bless her. And Natalie's a really good friend of ours, and we're so delighted with her progress in God. So what I, I felt God speak to me, I was out walking last, last week, see you now, out walking, and I felt God remind me of a prophetic word, or some prophetic words that he'd spoken to us here in Hastings and Bexhill, and uh, in those early days. And then a scripture that I've, I've referred to before, but I felt God freshly brought it alive to me. The scripture's in Isaiah 49. We can turn to that in a moment. But the prophetic word is about arrows. And uh, 40 years ago, when I walked in, we walked into uh, Hastings Christian Fellowship, as it was known then. Uh, I'll try and refer to Bexhill, not Hastings. So you, can, you have freedom to correct me. All right? Not that you need that freedom. <laughs> I think you guys are going to correct me anyway. But uh, 40 years ago, God spoke and he said this. There are young men and women here that are going to be sent from Hastings, because it was Hastings days, so you don't have to correct me for that one, that are going to go all around the world, and they're going to be fired like arrows and sent like arrows. And there was like 20 or 30 of us, and you go, really? It's like, I don't think so. But actually, it's amazing to see what God has done. Amazing to see Simon Allison Wong, some of you know them, in America. Amazing to see what Stephen Ruth Brady, uh, when they went. Amazing to see you guys in, in Ghana. Amazing to see Natalie. In God, and we, the list could go on and on. And uh, Paul asked me, he said, would I refer to what we're doing? I mean, I don't normally talk too much about what we're doing. I'd rather talk about what God's doing 
through his word, but we're now involved with 275 churches, working with three New Frontiers apostles, myself, Lee Yarbrough, and an apostle from Africa, Zambia, called uh, Joseph Willett. Thank you. Lee's from Mexico. So we've got a Mexican-America's apostolic leader. We've got a, 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 a Zambian uh, apostolic leader, myself, working together in this sphere of churches called Christ Central, which uh, I head up. And there's 275 churches now. And Paul said, where are you working? Well, we're working in England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Sweden, Norway, Canada, Mexico, Peru, Bolivia, Zambia, Tanzania, Kenya, Congo, Malawi, Botswana, Ghana, Tongo, Benin, Uganda, Oman, Cambodia, India, China. Listen, that's, I mean, we could applaud what God's doing. That's a little arrow from Hastings. Simon Allison, little arrows from Hastings, right? What could God send and what God will send from Bex Hill? God also spoke to Anne and I about church planting in 19, very early 90s. Uh, we've helped with the, with the uh, Eastbourne church plant out of uh, Hastings. And God then spoke to us about church planting in the nation. And some of you remember the prophetic picture that Terry, who's kind of like the founding father of New Frontiers, some of you remember that picture that he had of a bow and arrow. Do you remember that? A bow and arrow superimposed across, I mean, some people moved in the wrong direction. <laughs> what do you mean, from the north to the south? Well, the prophetic picture was of a bow being stretched and pulled back up into the heartland or the, 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 the heart of the UK, particularly into the north. And as God did that, and we felt the application was church planting, so Anne and I went and planted a church and a place no one's ever heard of, Teesside, Middlesbrough, Stockton, uh, that sort of area. And from that, it said, ter the Terry prophesied, from that, as the bow was pulled back across the nation, arrows would be fired and sent all over the world. Dear friends, it's actually happening. God is doing it. And I don't believe that's a promise and a prophecy for 20 years ago or 40 years ago. I believe prophetically, God, I feel he's spoken to me that from Bex Hill, from this congregation, from the one that feels like the least. Do you ever feel like the least, littlest, littlest seed? The one that feels like the littlest seed, God is going to send men and women all over the world. And he's going to send you to the ends to the ends of the earth. Now, some of you, it might be the ends of your street, because that can feel like the ends of the earth, can't it? Some of you, he's going to send to the ends of your comfort zone. But nevertheless, he's going to send you, whether it's into a school, into a college, into a housing estate, into a nursing home, into an office, into a factory, into a pub or a club, or a cafe or a supermarket, Think what we are now. We're 12 o'clock exactly on Sunday. Where will you be 12 o'clock on Monday? Where will you be there? What will you be doing? Because God wants to send you and fire you like an arrow. And he's putting targets on people and places and offices and housing estates. And he's going to be sending you from here, from Bex Hill, into those places. Now, we're going to look at that. We're going to look into Isaiah uh, 49. And this passage particularly mentions arrows. That's why I felt God draw me to this passage. But also this passage it has a prophetic connection with us here. Um, if anyone used anyone spiritual enough to use the ESV, I'm afraid I'm NIV, nearly infallible. Oh, Ian. Of course. Ian. ESV man. <laughs> um, so could you tell me uh, what the translation is in the ESV um, that the 
NIV translates islands. You can shout it out for me in a minute. So this is Isaiah chapter 49. I'm going to read the first three verses and then verse 6. Listen to me, you islands. Is that what it says? If you've got the ESV, it should say coastlands. Thank you. (laughs) Not the sharpest knife in a drawer, (laughs) but I love him. (laughs) These guys... These guys were in our very first, you, Claire was in our very first house group in Hastings when we led. We made all our mistakes on Claire. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's amazing how well you've done. <laughs> was it say? Coastlands. Coastlands. Does anyone remember what New Frontiers was called before it was called? It's called Coastlands. From these very verses. God spoke to Terry Virgo from these very verses about Coastlands. Now, Coastlands doesn't mean the Seven Sisters in the South Downs, and that's kind of what people thought it meant especially when the logo of Coastlands was the Seven Sisters, didn't really help. Actually, Terry's heart was it to be an ends-of-the-earth movement. That New Frontiers, or Coastlands as it was called, from these verses would literally go to the ends of the earth. Listen to me, you islands, you coastlands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he's made mention of my name. He's made my mouth like a sharpened sword, and in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He's made me into a polished arrow. That's the verse I want to focus on. And concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you're my servant, Israel, whom I will display my splendor. Verse 6. It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob, to bring back those of Israel I've kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you might bring my salvation to the ends of of the earth. Let me just give you a little context context of this, just to explain what is going on here. The people of God have been disobedient to God. And God has constantly warned the people of God in these times, if you're disobedient, if you intermarry, and God's not worried about interracial marriages, he is worried about picking up the practices of foreign gods. And if you intermarry and pick up the practices of foreign gods, of child sacrifice, of prostitution, of all sorts of temple pollution that was going on. If you do that, rather than be a light to the nations, if you allow the nation's darkness around you to put your light out, if you do that, I'm going to discipline you. Not punish you, but discipline you. And God does that. He's a faithful father. He's a good father. He does discipline his children. He disciplines those he loves, actually. And he did discipline Israel. He sent them into captivity. He took them out of the land that they'd been given, And he took them into captivity in Babylon. And right now, this is Isaiah speaking to them in captivity in Babylon, saying, although you're under discipline right now, although you're under difficulty, although actually right now it feels like you're constrained, right now it feels difficult, I'm going to bring someone who's going to bring salvation to you. He's called the servant of the Lord. These passages, Isaiah 40 to 55 are called the servant songs, the songs of the servant. And we know who the servant is. We know who the one is who came and said, I don't come to be served. I come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. It's all about Jesus' coming. And these passages are not just about restoring something in the Middle East, because they've been taken out of the Middle East, or rather taken out of Israel and put into Babylon. Actually, Their hope would be, could we please go back to Judah? Could we please go back to Israel? And God's saying, actually, this is so much bigger than you think. It's not just about you going back to the land and coming back to Israel and Judah. This is about the promise that I gave to Abraham 
that all nations of the earth will be blessed through you and that the light will shine to the Gentiles. And of course, that's what Jesus came to do after he paid the price, after he was the servant who gave his life for a ransom for many. He, in his resurrected power, commissioned those early disciples, yes, to go to Jerusalem, yes, to go to Judah, but from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Therefore, we can put ourselves right in this passage. This passage is speaking about Bexhill, because Bexhill, if you took yourself to a Middle Eastern person thousands of years ago and explained where you live, they'd say, wow, that's the ends of the earth. <laughs> I know Bexhill can feel like that sometimes, but it is, it's the ends of the earth. This is the distant islands. These are the ends of the earth, and that God's promise is that through you, through the church, through the ones connected to Jesus, every single family on planet Earth, including Bexhill, Sidley, including where you live, and anyone as far as Roberts Bridge, Cooden, where you are, every family is going to be blessed. How is he going to do that? Through a people filled and propelled by his spirit, sent like arrows into homes, offices, classrooms, factories, nursing homes, coffee shops, pubs, clubs, wherever you go, God's going to send you like an arrow. Now, I've done a little bit of work on this and looked it up, some in scripture and commentaries, but also just looking up what a Fletcher does. A Fletcher is an arrow maker. And a Fletcher, any Fle no Fletchers here, are they? Anyone called Fletcher? No, it's okay. A Fletcher will literally hand-pick an arrow from a tree, from a branch, from a stick that's in a tree. We'll hand-pick it. And I want you to know that you have been hand-picked by God. You see, it says in this very passage, it says, He has made me into a polished arrow. He's done it. This is God's calling. This is God's choosing. It says in verse 1, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he's made mention of my name. It's really important you know that. That you did not choose him, he chose you. When did he choose you? He didn't choose you because he kind of looked and thought, Ian Lockwood looks like a splendid sort of chap. I think I will choose him. And especially when he marries the lovely Claire, uh, that would be the making of him. And, you know, that would be rather nice. No, the Bible says this, before Ian Lockwood, this is my version of the Bible, before Ian Lockwood had a chance to do anything good or bad, make good choices or bad choices, before you were born, the Lord called you. That's what this passage says. That's what the New Testament says very powerfully. It's what was said, Jeremiah said. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, the Lord says this, before I formed you in the womb. That's, so, that's birth. This is before you're even formed in the womb. I knew you and set you apart. That is true. God's hand is upon you. His hand has chosen you and called you. I don't know if you're a bit like me, but quite often, especially growing up as a child, I, I can be a bit freer this afternoon because my parents were in the congregation this morning. So was my auntie Jen. And to be honest with you, I always wondered, I'd rather have been the child of Bill and Jenny, of Auntie Jen. They lived up the road. And, you know, they had all the fun things and, you know, fun aunts and, you know, they, I'd have treats and ice cream there and never got told off there and never got disciplined there, never got, you know, sent to bed there, never, got, you know, and always, always wanted to be somebody else's son. Or growing up, I, I know this is really hard for you to believe, 
I was slightly chubby growing up. That I was very chubby growing up. And I was not athletic at all. You know, I was the last person to be picked for the sports team. And uh, it's God's judgment that I married a PE teacher, I'm sure. Um, but I'm just not sure if it's God's judgment on her or God's judgment on me. <laughs> but, I, you know, I was always picked. I was not sporty. I was, and I wasn't particularly academic. I wasn't particularly the brightest or the brainiest. I was like very normal, ordinary. And you always looked at somebody else. Well, I did. Oh, there was always the, the head boy. Or there was always the, the, the captain of the team. Or there was always that dramatic person or that, the, the actor. I never got the top part. I was in the school play, but like about the 15th role. But I'll get... Is that true? You look at others and you say, I wish I was like, no, listen, God chose you. He called you and God actually knows what he's doing. He chose you. He chose the womb that he put you in. He chose the parents. He chose the circumstances. He chose your very frame. He chose who you are because only you can fulfill the calling of God on your life. Stop trying to be somebody else. That, that's taken. Somebody, but you're not. You're unique. God has called you, and he's shaping you like an arrow to be sent and to be fired. But it's a unique calling. See, God did that with Joseph. Joseph was born in a very dysfunctional family. Joseph was born in a, you know, brothers who were falling out, father who had a favorite wife and a favorite son. And it was really not helpful for Joseph. But God knew what he was doing with Joseph when he called Joseph. In fact, God even uses those difficulties, and God will even use the difficulties that you're going through. So the arrow is cut, the arrow is chosen and cut out of the tree. Then the arrow is worked on. He made me. We didn't start life as a polished arrow. I started as a twig, and you did as well. But God chose this twig, and he's chosen these twigs. And he's starting to polish you. And polishing sounds lovely until someone tries to polish you with sandpaper. It's not very nice. And uh, a fletcher would basically cut off the arrow, anything that doesn't look arrow-like. And that's what God's been doing with you. He's been fashioning you. He's been changing you. He's been rearranging you. He's been shaping you. He's been working on you in his sovereignty. And you know what? God doesn't always use sunny days to do that. It's not always through the nice days and the nice times that we grow the most. In fact, often it's through the most difficult circumstances that we grow. A famous commentator, F.B. Meyer, of another generation, said this, trials and difficulties are God's vote of confidence in you. He loves you and he disciplines you. He loves you and he corrects you. He loved, Jesus said, my father is the gardener. Oh, lovely, I'm going to be a lovely, pretty plant in the garden. No, Jesus said, my father is the gardener. He prunes who mentions pruning? Well, actually, if you know anything about gardens, some plants will thrive the most, roses particularly, if they're pruned back. And God's been pruning some people here. He's been shaping you. And it feels difficult. It felt difficult for Joseph. You know, first of all, it was the brothers. First of all, it was being sold into slavery. And then, not only is he sold into slavery, then he gets a difficult situation with his boss's wife. And then he gets thrown into prison. He thinks, Joseph, you're, you're the inheritor of the promises. You're carrying promises from God. But actually, it all seems to be going, always just seems to be going from bad to worse, bad to worse. Does your life feel like that sometimes? It just feels like it's going from bad to worse. It just feels like there's more sanding, there's more stretching, there's more difficulties, there's more problems I'm going through. But actually, it's through the problems. You see, Joseph had needed his character worked on. I'm sure it's 
through illness. Joseph had his character work. So how do I know that? Well, I don't think Joseph's use of the prophetic was very mature at first. Hey, I've had a dream. Family, gather round. I saw 11 sheaves of corn bowing down to me. Come on, now sit down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You know, it's eleven. I can't imagine what that might, you pray about it. You might have an interpretation. But eleven were bowing down to the one. Wonder what that means. Oh, and by the way, come in, mum and dad. This might be relevant for you. I had another dream. And then I saw eleven stars. One, two, three, four, eleven stars bowing down to me. And guess what? The sun, dad, and the moon, mum, they bowed down to me as well. I wonder what that might mean. He didn't win friends and influence people. Now later, you look at his heart later when he interprets the, the, the butler and the baker's, butlers get off easy, by the way, the butlers and the baker's dreams. You look at him. First of all, he says this. Is, uh, you read the text. It's hilarious. He said, he said to them, why are you looking so sad today? It's like, they're in prison. It wasn't a holiday camp. Prisons in Egypt weren't nice places to be. Why are you looking so sad? And he, he was, there was a sensitivity that Joseph had. And they said, oh, yeah, we've had these disturbing dreams. Then he s- explained to me the dream. See, I'd have gone, dreams? Dreams? Don't tell me anything about dreams. Let me give you some advice. You haven't got any brothers, have you? <laughs> Let me give you some advice. Don't tell anyone about your dreams. Just keep quiet. That's between ourselves. No, he doesn't. He said, oh, dream. let me interpret them for you. And he had, He's sensitive. He's grown in the prophetic. His character has been changed. How? Because he's been in Potiphar's household. How? Because he's been sold into slavery. How? Because he's been in prison for all those years. It's through the difficult times that God straightens these warped arrows. Now, anyone old enough to remember the great storm of 87? See, I'm in the right country here, to uh, county here. To, 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 and it wasn't, you, you don't say the great storm, you have to say the great storm of 87. See, Sam, you, to be culturally connected, you've got to understand the great storm of 87. See, up north, were you down here? You were. Up north, it was like you got your big coat out that day. You know, time to put the big coat. But down here, like trees were going down. I mean, people died in the Queen's Hotel. I mean, where we were, do you remember ends ripped off houses and literally in in Settleskin, it was incredible, wasn't it? Fences down and trees. We went down to Alexandra Park the next day, Anne and I, and and Helen was there. Yeah, we got these photos, actually, of the three of us sitting on these amazing giant pine trees that have gone down. It was just incredible. Alexandra Park, beautiful oasis, lovely park, always nice in this temperate valley never really faced any major wind, suddenly 87, bang, goes down. Now, if you go along the coast a bit to Dungeness, you know where they built the power station and nobody complained because it actually improved the view, you know, (laughs) along there? Nobody from Dungeness or Dimchurch or Romney Sands here, no, that's all right. There are trees there on that kind of barren wasteland. Guess how many of those went down? None. I'll tell you why. Because they were always used to facing the prevailing wind. They'd lived with difficulties. They'd lived with trials. They'd lived with problems. And their roots went down straight and deep. Listen, it's when you go through difficulties, when you go through trials, that God is working on your character, straightening you out, making you fit for purpose. And when I used to make bows and arrows as a kid in the woods out in Pet, 
you know, my pathetic little arrow, which was all bent, and I pulled it back, it would go, <laughs> wouldn't go anywhere because it wasn't fashioned, it wasn't made properly. God is fashioning you, he's making, but then what would happen is the fletcher would then put the arrow into a frame and stretch it. And some of you, you've not only been cut and sanded and worked on, you just feel stretched right now. You're feeling my marriage and my family and my kids and in that workplace, in that home, in that, in that office, in that factory. In that, I just feel I'm being stretched. I can't, almost like I can't take it anymore. I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm being framed. I'm being you know, stretched in this frame. I'm just, God's doing something in you. He's straightening you. He's making you fit for purpose so that when he chooses to fire you, when the butler and the baker have their dream, suddenly you're taken from the prison and you're fired to the palace. You're taken suddenly from that place. Now, while this is happening, the Fletcher apparently, this is interesting, all the way through from the cutting out of the tree to the sanding down, cutting the branches off, to the stretching in the frame, every stage is oiled. Oil is applied to make the arrow supple to, so that it wouldn't break. And God is not going to break you. He's shaping you. And he wants to oil you. And in the Bible, the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to keep pouring out his oil of grace and mercy and love and joy on you as you're being shaped. Now, we'll bring this in for a landing. What happens, says it in our passage, once the arrow has been made, it's been polished, it's straight, it's been oiled, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And you might feel that. I'm ready. I've, I've been through years of tri trials and difficulties and shaping. And yes, it's all been worth it because right now, here I am, straight as an arrow, ready to go. Here I am, Lord, the blessing of God for Bexhill. Here I am, the blessing of God for my office, for my family. Look how straight and pointy I am. And look how... You've worked wonders in my life. Look how amazing. Look how, look how wonderful you've, what you've done in my life. Do you know where the arrow gets put? It says in the text, he concealed me in his hand. Well, sorry, he hid me in the shadow of his hand and concealed me in his quiver. You think, what? That doesn't seem fair. I'm ready. And Joseph could have said that. I'm ready. I mean, especially after his beautiful encounter with the butler and the baker. Well, beautiful for the butler not so good for the baker. Like I said, the butlers get all the good deals. Her maiden name's Butler, by the way, in case you didn't know. <coughs> Any bakers here? <laughs> he, you know, he's ready, and it's, it says this. The butler, he, he says, Joseph says one thing. He just has one request. If you read the text, one request. He says, will you remember me, please? when you come into the palace. Of course he's going he's, he's to talk about nothing else. Oh, where have you been for that? Oh, I've been in the prison. Guess what happened? There was this amazing guy, Joseph, who interprets. In fact, if we got him out of prison, we could break all his make a bit. I bet he could interpret a few dreams. and we could, you know, we could do, He would be constantly, to, it said, and the butler forgot all about Joseph. I mean, how did you do that? It's got to be divine work. And you just feel forgotten sometimes. You feel overlooked you feel everyone else gets the top job. Everyone else gets the leadership position. Everyone else gets the 
boyfriend, girlfriend. Everyone else gets the kids. Everyone else gets this. Everyone else gets the salary rise and the pay rise. Everyone else gets that. Everyone else has the stories of salvation. Everyone else. Everyone else. I'm forgotten. I'm overlooked. Listen, you are not forgotten. You are not overlooked. You are safe in his quiver. And there is coming a day. I want to prophesy this over you. There is coming a day when the hand of God, the loving hand of the Father, will grasp you, put you in his spirit bow, and will send you with authority and power. And unlike my childhood arrow that went, you're going to go, and you're going to hit the target that he has prepared in advance for you. Dear friends, I believe that with all my heart, that God's calling and equipping this church to have penetration right into housing estates, schools, colleges, this college, local government, hospitals, schools, works amongst the poor, works amongst the needy, the marginalised. God's raising up arrows to be sent. Now we're going to bring this in for a landing. We just want to pray. Have we got a musician? Adrian. Adrian, could you just come and uh, just be playing something and, uh, well, not something, something in the air, no, not that. Just play something. I feel God wants to just minister to us this morning as we end this meeting. I feel there are two groups of people. There are those that know the pain of God working on you. I know what that's like. I know, we know the pain of childlessness. We know the pain of having family member suffering. You know, you know that pain. And it, it, it feels like the pain will never end sometimes. And right now, in the pain, in the stretching, in the working of God on your life, he just wants to come and oil you in the Holy Spirit. He just wants to come and massage his oil right deep into you. And so that you know that actually even through the pain, see, his brothers came to Joseph right at the end. They lied. They seemed to do well at that. They said, our father's dying wish was that you forgive us. No, it wasn't. He didn't say anything like that. Joseph said, I forgive you. Listen, you meant it for evil. It's the famous line. It's Genesis kind of ends on that amazing echo. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. There are evil forces here. There are evil works. The New Testament use of arrows talks about flaming darts from the enemy. There are enemy arrows that have been fired. There are people who have been hurt. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns for good. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things. That disability, that difficulty, that broken relationship, that weakness, that sickness even. Everyone else got healed, but I'm not. God's working you. He's changing you and shaping you. And he just wants right now for you to know the confidence of his sovereignty. My father is the gardener. He prunes, he cuts, and he oils. And there's the second group of people here. And by the way, in a moment when I ask you to stand, you don't have to say which group you're in. You get to be a bit anonymous. That's okay. There's a second group of people. You're like, all my life's been training for this. All my life's been praying. I, I've had it. I've, I've been pruned. I've been shaped. I, 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 am, I feel like this arrow now. But I feel hidden away in the quiver. 
I feel overlooked. I feel ready to go, but no one's sending me. I feel ready to leave, but no one's asking me. I feel ready to preach the gospel, but no one's listening. I feel ready to pray for the sick, but I feel like I'm not getting the opportunities. And God said, wait, be patient, be filled with the Spirit, because in the end, you are not going to go in your own authority. So you can't, you don't throw an arrow. It doesn't go very far. It has to be put in the right implement. And the right implement for sending arrows is the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. When the Spirit comes on you, you will go to the ends of the earth. It's the anointed. Jesus never meant us to go on mission without the propulsion and power and equipping of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to get empowered this morning. So whether you're in either of those groups, I'm going through it right now, stretched, painful, hurting. Or I've been through all that and I'm just so ready that I feel overlooked. I want to pray for you and pray for this great site, this great congregation, this great part of the 1066 community, that it would actually have the most impact. That the littlest C would have the most cultural, community, gospel-shaping impact. And you can sometimes feel second fiddle, third fiddle, fourth fiddle. God says, you're going to be playing my song. I'm going to be sending you as arrows into the community. So if it's you, and I think it's going to be lots of us, I wonder if you just stand, and I'm going to pray and prophesy over you. Thank you, Lord. You could be in one of either of those two groups.